So we said that the church is an assembly, it's a community. It is a fellowship of people who've been called out. And the Bible tells us that we have been plucked out from the dominion of darkness and transferred into his kingdom of marvelous light. And we said that you, you and I, believers in Christ Jesus, we are the church. And we are the church. And Pastor Danny has been pounding it time and time again. That the church means you. Because you are the church. You are the hope of the world. If the world cannot see Christ-likeness in his church, then how can we impact the church for Christ? Does that make sense? I was planning to deliver another message but because of what's going on in the Philippines yon ganyan what's going on in the Philippines i decided to change it because god has been speaking to my heart and this morning i would like to share with you a message that i have titled the church that pleases god perseveres the church that pleases god perseveres now let's all stand and honor the reading of god's word it's not a long passage but let's read james chapter 1 many of us are familiar with this verse let's read james chapter 1 just verses 2 through 4 let's pray let's read consider it all joy my brethren when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Father God, we commit this time to you, Lord God. You are God, and you are not accountable or answerable to anyone else. You alone know what and why this tragedy has happened. But Lord, your word is clear. It pierces our hearts that we should consider it all joy when we undergo all kinds of trials and testings. For there is a godly purpose, Lord, a divine purpose that you alone know. So speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. Give us wisdom and understanding that leads us to obedience. I lift up to you myself, Lord God, trusting your Holy Spirit, for without which I can do nothing. Be pleased, Lord, to use this time to glorify yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. We may all be seated. Now we all know what's going on in the Philippines. And many of us are asking. I want to show you a video. It's about four minutes long. So if we have the audio ready. Alright. Just pay close attention. Some of the visions are graphic.
Lord, you seem so far away. Let's do that again. seem so far away a million miles or more it feels today and though I haven't lost my faith I must confess right now that it's hard for me to pray but I don't know what to say I don't know where to start But as you give the grace With all that's in my heart I will sing, yes, I will pray Even in my darkest hour Through the sorrow and the pain I will sing, I will pray Your word is true, I will sing. Lord, it's hard for me to see all the thoughts and plans you have for me. Yes, it is. But I will put my trust in you, knowing that you died. Set me free. Oh, thank God you did. But I don't know what to say. And I don't know where to start. But as you give the grace, with all that's in my heart, I will see.
we sing to you, Lord, tonight. Hallelujah. We sing to you, Lord. Oh, we lift our voices and sing. We worship. I personally don't know anyone. Some of you may. And many people ask, why? Especially here in the US where media is so open. You hear backseat drivers or armchair critics who say, well, they didn't prepare enough well, they should have done this, they should have done that. There was one church in the Philippines, I will not mention what church, they call themselves to be a church. And they said that it's good that they close their doors because these people who do not believe the same way they do, it's better for them to die because they are not part of their church. If you're in this tragedy and someone comes to you and say, you know what? I know what you feel. Is that true? I know what you're going through. Is that true? Or some even well-meaning Christian would say, you know what, brother? You know what, sister? Romans 8.28 says, for we know that in all things God works together for good. To those who love God and are called according to this person, this too shall pass. We are quick to judge. We are quick to throw out criticism. We are quick to say this or that. Grab this or that verse. Thinking that by just sharing that verse, we're able to console, we're able to comfort, we're able to understand what these people are going through. And we don't. Each death is different to each person. Yet there are a lot who would rather finger point than do something about it. Now this type of reaction is as old as the Bible. For if we look at John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Verse 2, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? You see my point? Ah, you see he's blind because of this, because of that. They were quick to point out, Rabbi, teacher, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? What's the reason? Jesus answered, It was neither this man, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Our eyes, our mind is limited. God's purposes and his ways are far beyond ours. But many of us are quick to point. As Pastor Peter would say, you know, in song, if you point, remember, there are three fingers pointing back at you. All right? 
So our group was very, very wise. They said, Pastor, then when we should point, it should be like this. <laughs> All the fingers pointing that direction. This, this idea is as old as the Bible, as old as the Old Testament. You know of this person named Job, right? Right. He lost everything. He lost everything. His entire family, his possessions. He was just left with a wife and three friends. It's okay. At least if I have a wife, then I can have family, children again. Right? Let's, let's look. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Man, you lost everything. And you're stuck with this wife. <laughs> Curse God and die. I don't know what's in Mrs. Job's mind. <laughs> diba? Pag nabyudo ako, pag nabyudo ako, pwede ko mag-asawa ng iba. I don't know. But if this is the kind of encouragement that your own wife would give, pwede ba? Tumahimi ka na lang. Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Kung ikaw yun, oo nga. Dapat lang. Bakit pa nga ba? But what did Job reply? He said, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So if you read just chapter 2, you will say, you know, Job did something so bad that in one day, he would lose his entire family and all of his material possessions and be stuck with his wife. Sabi ko na talaga eh. But look at what the Bible and how the Bible declares Job. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Did Job deserve to lose his entire family and all his possessions despite his walking blamelessly before God that God would even parade him in front of Satan and say, have you considered my servant Job? He is blameless. He fears evil. He runs away from evil. And for that to happen to Job. You see, there are a lot of quote-unquote Christian groups that say, you know, if you have calamity, if you have tragedy, number one, you're not really Christian. Number two, you're in sin. That's why this is happening to you. Very quick to point. Look at Job. Blameless. Walking in integrity. Yet did God, did God allow adversity to come into his life? Yes. So let's not be surprised that even as Christians, God can allow adversity to come into our lives. That just because we are Christian, that we are preserved, 
that we are not going to encounter problems, trials, and tribulations. They are in fact part and parcel of the Christian life. One government official even went on to say in the Philippines during his interview, God was somewhere else. He said God was somewhere else. His province was not affected as far as I know. But he went to Leyte and when he saw the devastation, the death, and the tragedy in his own interview, God was somewhere else. Could that be how we would also react if God allowed an adversity to come into our lives? It's not exclusive to Job. This person, he's not me, okay? Shadong maraming gray hair. His name is Horatio or Horatio Spafford. They were living in the north side sub suburb of Chicago with five children. He had a successful law practice in Chicago. He was a Presbyterian church leader and a dedicated Christian. In 1870, their fate was tested by tragedy. Their four-year-old son, Horatio Jr., died of scarlet fever. They were devastated. In October 1871, the Great Chicago Fire broke out and Horatio faced another test. He lost most of his businesses. He was into real estate. Instead of complaining and grumbling and mourning over what he had lost, 250 people died and 90,000 were left homeless. The Spaffords did not despair. They made their home into a place where people could come so that they could feed the hungry and help the homeless and care for the sick and heal the injured and comfort the grief-stricken neighbors. To help them and their family you know, process the situation, they decided to go on a cruise. They decided to go to England in 1873. However, on the day before their departure, Mr. Spafford had a meeting that he could not back out of. So he sent his wife, and they're now only four children because the other one had died. On ahead, he said, they will follow. On November 22, 1873, the steamer Vil Vilduhav was struck by a British iron sailing ship, the Loch Hearn. The steamer Vilduhav, with Anna Spafford and their daughters aboard, sank within minutes in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. The accounts say that Mrs. Stafford was holding on to two of her children, but being pounded by the wave, she had let go of one, and then another wave came and let go of another, and she herself was on the verge of drowning when somebody just picked her up. And this is the famous telegram that she sent her husband, Horatio. Saved alone, what shall I do? Yet this man, this faithful man of God, wrote the famous hymn, It is well with my soul.
it is well with my soul. You're left with your wife. All five kids are gone. Yet because he knew that he had a faithful God, he could say, he could sing, he could write, it is well with my soul. The church that pleases God perseveres despite the trial. Like the songs, we will rise above the waves. Why? Because we're looking to God. We're not just looking at our situation. We're looking to God. And Peter writes it, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you, but to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. Let's be aware that part and parcel of the Christian life is trial and tribulation. And Peter is telling us we should exalt, we should glory that God is allowing us to pass through these trials because one day, one day we will all glory. He says, if you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are what? You are blessed because the spirit of the glory of God rests on you. And testing, trial, and tribulation confirms in Hebrews that we are really children of God. For those the Lord disciplines, for those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. He scourges every son whom He receives. So let's persevere even if God allows trials. Let's not be like this person that suffers because he's a murderer or a thief or an evildoer. But if we suffer, it should be because we uphold the name of Christ. And we continue to uphold the name of Christ in persevering. Because even if God allows these trials to come our way, these adversities to come our way, He never leaves us. He will never forsake us. In the midst of the temptation, according to 1 Corinthians, He will provide a way out. He did not say he's going to remove the temptation. He said, but with the temptation, I will provide a way out. And we are tempted when things don't go our way, when things don't go the way we expect them. We're tempted to complain, to question. Why God? Rather than ask the question, God, is there something that you want me to learn from this? What are you trying to tell me? Another reason that why God would allow these adversities is 2 Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with comfort with which ourselves are comforted by God. Imagine. God allows you to go through certain things, through certain situations, so that you in turn will be able to comfort others who are similarly going through that same problem. How, for example, as a pastor, somebody will come to me and say, Pastor, I need your counsel. I have been raped. What can I say? You know, I, I feel the same way as you. 
cannot. But what if I know somebody who was raped and rose above the tragedy? You know what? I know someone. And I'll introduce you to this someone. And she will be able to counsel you because she herself went through what you went through. See, the God of comfort allows these things. He gives us the mercies in the midst of our trial and tribulation so that we can in turn pass it on. So that we ourselves, when we are comforted, we can also comfort others. In the midst of the devastation, the God of comfort is there. It's just a matter of perspective. What rather than why? Look at this person. Let's read that again. Listen to what she said. In the midst of her tragedy, her personal tragedy, what did she say? I thank God. It blew me away. I wish that people will change. I don't know if she's a Christian. But in the midst of her devastation, kahit na isang pirasong damit na lang, nagpapasalamat ako sa Diyos. Sana magbago na mga tao. There's wisdom to that. She perseveres. She looks like she's lost everything. And all she's asking for is shirt on her back. Yet in the midst of her tribulation, in the midst of her devastation, she can still thank God. The church that God blesses, the church that is pleased, that God is pleased with the church is the church that perseveres. Not the church that runs away at the smallest iota of problems. You are the church. You are the hope of the world. And people are looking at us. We walk around day in and day out like this this poor lady. Poor in her finances, I guess, but strong in her spirit. And Paul tells us in Second Corinthians, we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the po- power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. 
our bodies are considered earthly vessels, earthen vessels. Paul relates it to us as we, our bodies are tents. And one day this body will be no more. But my soul will be with God forever. We carry this. And we should be pleased, we should be rejoicing, we should be thankful that we participate in one way or the other. Perhaps not like our countrymen in the Philippines, that we participate in the sufferings of Christ. For look, even if we are afflicted, we're not crushed. Even if we are perplexed, we're not despairing. Even if we are struck down, we are not destroyed. We too shall rise. We will rise. We will rise from tragedy, for God is with us. And if God be with us, who can be against us? We must persevere. And when we persevere, even as a people, you know, the whole world we know who we are. And I pray that the whole world we know that as Christians, they will know who you are because we stand by the name of our Lord. That we persevere even in the midst of trials and tribulations. Now, you all know this next person. All week long, we've seen so many remarkable things and, and met so many extraordinary people. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times on a story like this, we'll put it together in kind of an essay format and a reporter's notebook. Here's mine for, for this week. When everything else is taken away, broken and battered, soaked raw, stripped bare, you see things, you see people as they really are. Mama! This week in Takloban, Samar, and Cebu, amidst the hunger and thirst, the chaos and confusion, we've seen the best in the Filipino people. Their strength, their courage, I can't get it out of my mind. Imagine the strength it takes for a mother to search alone for her missing kids. The strength to sleep on the street near the body of your child. Where will you sleep tonight? Yeah, in the street. We've seen people with every reason to despair every right to be angry, instead find ways to laugh and to love, to stand up, to move forward. A storm breaks wood and bone, brings hurt and heartbreak. In the end, the wind, the water, the horror it brings is not the end of the story. With aid and assistance, compassion and care, this place, these people, they will make it through. They've already survived the worst. They are bowed, perhaps, tired and traumatized, but they are not broken. Mabuhay, Philippines. Maraming salamat for all you've shown us. Maraming salamat for showing us all how to Can people say the same thing for the Church of God? That they can learn from us when God allows us to go through tragedy.
here is a foreign correspondent who is right there in first hand seeing all the tragedy over there. And he can say, thank you to the Filipino people for giving them an example of what it means to rise up in the midst of the tragedy. It is my prayer that as the Church of God, we can also have that testimony as we persevere, no matter what God allows us, that people out there will say, thank you. Thank you for the example that you've given to us. And that becomes the opportunity to introduce Christ. Because when people see us, we give them an opportunity whether to see the Christ in us or the old nature. But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it, our victory in Christ. Our victory in Christ. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. It's not if. He said, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome even the world. So therefore, our victory is in Christ. And he says, we hope for what we do not see. With what? With perseverance. We wait for it. Our victory in Christ. And even after we go to prayer in a little while, in the same way the Spirit also helps, on in our, helps us in our weak we weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with words, words and groanings too deep. We should persevere, church. We should persevere for the Lord. Let, let me bring it a little closer to home. Her name is Emily Huson. She used to be part of my music ministry in the Philippines. She was part of the singing group in the Philippines that they already had CDs coming out. God brought her and her family to Canada, to Saskatchewan. And they are now the leaders of CCF Saskatchewan. And I believe Pastor Danny will be going there to visit with them, to help them grow their church. Now, as God had planned it, they, they had migrated the entire family to Canada. Praise God. But then she got afflicted with cancer. And this is a Facebook message that she sent me just the other day. Hello, in song, my onco or my oncologist said, cancer is back. But I refused it. I know I am healed. Have biopsy in the near future because I don't want to have chemo again for a series. I am healed in Jesus' name. Oh, you're doing the work of the Lord. TCF Canada is growing. And God allows this adversity. It's very easy to say, Ibalik nyo ako sa Pilipinas. I don't see 
any despair in her private message to me. Cancer is back. I don't want the chemo. I claim healing in Jesus' name. Will God heal her? I don't know. Because sometimes the ultimate healing that God gives for pain, come home. Come home. Be with me where there is no weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know what God has in store for her, but I know that she's persevering in the Lord because she knows who her God is. She knows who her God is. And she knows that one day she will see the Lord. Maybe sooner, maybe later. I don't know. But I can see that she's persevering in the work that God has given her. Because even Paul writes, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I wish that I would be absent from the body to be at home with the Lord, but in the meantime, it will mean fruitful labor for me. So until the time and day that God calls us to be with Him, we should be busy. Busy with His work. Busy with the ministry that He's given us. Busy challenging one another that we are the church and we are the hope of the nation. We are the hope of the world. And as the world sees us in the midst of our adversity, maybe we can hear. I don't know if it's Anderson Cooper or what. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for teaching us what it means to be a Christian. Thank you for teaching us what it means to be like Christ. Romans, Paul writes, not only this, but we also exult in our tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings perseverance. Perseverance, proven character. Proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit was given to us. So all of this has a purpose. And what is the purpose? We have a hope. And our hope is in Christ. And if we who are Christians have to go through this, what more the people outside the body of Christ who do not have a personal relationship with Christ, they suffer all of these trials and tribulations. To what end? They have no hope for an eternal glory with Christ as we do. So friends, they're looking at us. Persevere. Because this world, as much as we like and we love it, it's not going to last. 1 John 2 tells us, Do not love the world, nor things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. So why are we so attached to this world? The world that will fade away. We should make sure that we are in Christ because the one who is in Christ, what? Lives forever. So what are we supposed to do? Having laid this foundation, what are we supposed to do as Christians? Well, let me 
give you three suggestions from Matthew 24. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour. You do not think he will. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give him their food at the proper time? Blessed is the slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. So may I suggest, number one, we must be alert. We must be alert. Being on the alert, you don't know. I don't know when the Lord is coming. Be on the alert. For if the head of the house knew what time the thief was coming, he would have been prepared. He says in verse 44, Be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not think he will. And it's not over here, but God himself, Jesus Christ himself says, As in the days of Noah, when people were giving in marriage and all kinds of stuff that we see going on, he says, Be ready, you do not know. So be ready. You don't know. It may be when you're at your lowest, but it could also be when you think you're on top of the world. I don't know. So since I don't know, I should be ready. Secondly, be faithful. Be faithful. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household? To give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is the slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. When the Lord returns and we do not know when, will you be caught being faithful to him and doing the work that he has assigned to you? Or are you slacking off? Because, well, the going was too tough. I had a lot of criticisms left and right. So what's the use I'm going to heaven anyway. We can take that approach. So be alert. Be faithful to God because we don't know when He's coming or what circumstances He will allow in our lives. Finally, be eternally focused. Focus on God. Don't focus on this world. Focus on God. Don't focus on people. Focus on God. Don't worry about the walk of other people. Focus on your own walk. Because I'm going to appear for my judgment. You see, Jesus Christ said in Matthew 24, Blessed, blessed is the slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. And in James, the part of the verse that we started was, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, what? He will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You see, God, that's a rewarder. Do you remember our definition of faith as we read it from the Bible? For without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder to those who earnestly seek him. So be alert, be faithful, and be focused on eternity rather than the here and the now. For this world 
and its lust be past. This would be my personal verse for my sister Emily. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Bible tells us we live 70, 80 years, maybe for good health. But compared to eternity, it's not even the proverbial drop in the bucket. Because heaven and earth will pass, but the word of the Lord stands forever. This body is failing. And Paul reminds me when this earthly tent is consumed, I have a building from God made by Jesus Christ. So why am I so focused on this life? This life should prepare me for my eternity. To receive the glorified body and the home that Jesus Christ himself is building for me. And he says in Revelation 22, Behold, I am coming. I behold, I come quickly. And what? My reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. My reward is with me. To render to every man according to what he has done. The church that pleases God perseveres. Despite the trial, despite the tribulation, despite your situation, the church that pleases God perseveres. As I close, can you and I really say, like Horatius Spafford in his hymn, can you and I really say, it is well? with my soul can you and I really say that if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ then yes you can really say yes Lord it is well with my soul if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ you can just come to faith in Jesus and tell him Lord I, I need you I'm so far from you. I'm headed for eternity apart from you. Will you come into my life and forgive me of my sins and make me the kind of Christian that you want me to be? Perhaps you're already in the body of Christ and you're saying, Lord, I've been battered, I've been bruised, and I'm failing and I'm weakening in my spirit. I'm weakening in my faith. Can you tell the Lord, Lord, can you give me the peace that surpasses all understanding, knowing that you are in full control of my situation? I don't know who you are or where you are, but you can tell the Lord this morning, and He's just waiting to hear from you. God, we thank you. We thank you that you have sent your son Jesus to deliver us from the penalty of our sins. 
And I pray, Lord God, that if there is anyone here still not sure of his or her eternity, would you speak to that person, Lord God? And allow us, Lord, to really come to faith in your Son, Jesus, and to live a life of perseverance. Because the church that pleases God perseveres through trials, temptations, and adversity. Lord, may the world, Lord, may the world outside, the world around us, Lord God, may they see that we are your hands and your feet, that we are the body of Christ, and we will persevere because your word says that when you built your church, not even the gates of hell could stand upon it to overpower it. So Lord, we confess once again that our faith is in you. We will not be shaken, Lord God. We will not give up. We will continue to trust you no matter what. Because you are God and you are our King. And you will see us through the end. And no matter what, Lord God, we are your children. And we will be faithful to you no matter what. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.